Welcome to Greatness, where the world's leading thinkers share their ideas about how to create greatness, great leaders, great teams, and great organizations. Why be good when you can be great? This is Gretchen Gagel with the Greatness Podcast, and I am so excited to welcome today John Davies, CEO of the Australian Constructors Association. Welcome, John. Thanks, uh, Gretchen. Uh, It's my pleasure to be here. So John and I had the wonderful occasion to be introduced several months ago and found out that we have a common passion around um, shifting the construction industry, positively impacting the construction industry, I should say. And John, I love starting with our, our guests Um, on just a little bit about how did you arrive at where you are today? Why construction? Why Australia? Why your passion for making the construction industry a better place? Well, um, that's potentially quite a long story. I'll I'll try and keep it brief. I think a lot of people, um, similarly to to, to me, uh, start out with a a childhood passion for Lego. Um, When you talk to people in the construction industry, it usually starts with something like that. Um, but um, I chose to uh, to do a degree in quantity surveying back in the UK, and very quickly um, had a desire to to move away from the UK and, and work in different locations. I was fortunate enough to um, spend some time in Abu Dhabi, some time in in Dubai, Singapore, Sydney, and arrived here in uh, in Brisbane 13, 13 years ago now. And I've always worked for major contractors, uh, contracts, and, and commercial. As a lot of your listeners will, will be aware, that contracts and commercial in the construction space can be quite an adversarial space uh, to operate in. It, it's a, a lot of it is about putting together claims, defending claims, and uh, really, I, I suppose, um, quite a sort of negative space. It's not really adding any huge amount of value to the end client. Um, albeit is it's still an important part of the process for, for, for all parties. But I decided uh, a few years back now that I was keen to sort of branch out towards the end of my career and look at doing th- something a, a little bit more positive to give back to the industry. And um, I was approached to become the CEO of uh, the Queensland Major Contractors Association, and that came out. That approach came a little bit out of the blue, but uh, I thought about it and I thought, well, actually, this this could be the the opportunity that I've been looking for, an opportunity to try to influence change. And around the same time, also, I started off a, a business with um, with a friend of mine um, focused on lean construction, which is all about doing things more efficiently and and productively, trying to utilize lean manufacturing tools and techniques uh, in the construction industry. So I started off down that path. And um, I'd been with the Quinto Major Contractors Association for, for two years, which was a, which was a part-time role. Uh, I was married in with a, with a lean and also keep on doing these sort of contracts and commercial thing as well. Um, and then at the start of this year, um, we all know, uh, sorry, last year it is now, um, the, along came uh, COVID. And um, I thought, well, you know what, we, we have actually got a really substantial opportunity here for change. We've got a situation whereby the government is looking for us um, as an industry uh, and relying on us as an industry to lead the economy out of recession through construction of uh, stimulus projects. 
and and yet we've got an industry that has all these issues, um, sustainability issues, and we've got an opportunity to work together. A real uh, once in a generation uh, opportunity, as cliche as, as it is to say that, to, to make that change. So I started uh, looking to um, do what I could in that area to to push for change, you know, writing thought leadership pieces on LinkedIn and the like. Uh, but very quickly realized that um, there was a limit to how far the influence that I had at the time and the positions that I had to to achieve that change. And I had by that stage formed connections with the um, Australian Constructors Association, uh, so it's a national version of QMCA. And I said, look, what are you guys doing about things? I don't see you doing too much about this. And uh, anyway, trying to keep this story short, long story short, they said, well, John, we're looking for a full-time CEO and uh, would you like to throw your hat in the ring? So um, at the start of the year uh, or middle of last year, that's what I did. And uh, I was successful and uh, spent the last six months uh, trying to push just for, for that change. John, I think that's why you and I hit it off so well. It's interesting. I've been doing a lot of thinking about my personal brand and um, you know where where I focus for the next few years. And change agent in the engineering and construction space is the first thing that comes to mind um, beyond my focus on on my family. Um, and and it's interesting the similarities when you were talking about the industry being claims focused and not 100% a positive place. I actually started in 1994 after a successful career running manufacturing plants for a few years after engineering school with a, a firm, um, FMI, a large investment banking uh, management consulting firm in the United States. In fact, the largest focus exclusively on the engineering and construction space. But the first thing that I did was a thing called partnering. And it was all the rage at that time in the mid 90s. Everybody had gotten so fed up with claims and litigation and stress and the negative energy that was happening in the construction space that they were implementing this kind of systemic process for trying to bring construction teams together to align around goals, to develop a proactive issue issue resolution process. So we know issues are going to happen on construction projects. That's one thing that's a given, right? Um, but that we can proactively um, solve those issues together. So my background in the industry is also very much grounded in that. How do we make this industry as positive a place as as we can? And it's such a great industry. And in your vision there, this is what I'm really attracted to, John, your vision at the Australian Constructors Association is really about creating a sustainable construction industry. What exactly does that mean, a sustainable construction industry? Yeah, that's that, that, that's a really good question, uh, Gretchen. Uh, to pick up on your point about the, the partnering, that, that's really important. And that, that's sort of coming back full circle again. Um, I, I remember back in the days uh, in the UK with the Latham report uh, that came out advocating partnering and there was a big push on that. And then we seem to sort of drift away from that. And I think what's different now is that we really do have this burning platform currently um, for change that, that that perhaps hasn't existed before, and, and why some of these um, positive changes have, have struggled to take root. But in terms of a sustainable industry, there's there's, there's a lot of elements to that. Um, people will, will obviously gravitate to to the financial side of things and say, well, we hear a lot about a profitless boom, um, and I think that is the, the figures certainly bear that out. 
and no one is making any money uh, at this game, and that, that's obviously an important consideration. But we've got a whole bunch of other issues. We, 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 we've got a real culture problem within our industry, which is probably one of the major reasons why uh, we've got such an appalling record at uh, attracting women into our industry. Only 12% of our workforce are women. We've also got a mental health problem. I mean, we um, we have a, a terrible statistic that people in our industry are six times more likely to die from suicide than they are from a workplace accident. So we've got all these these issues. Um, and then uh, at the start of last year, obviously, we throw COVID into the mix um, that are really preventing um, our industry from progressing. And, and if we look at um, the productivity problem that we have as an industry, another issue, maybe not a sustainability issue, but it's another issue, no less, where you look at the, the difference in productivity growth um, between construction and other industries over the last 30 years. And there's a 25% gap. And just to put that into context, if we were to be able to half that gap, just half that gap, we here in Australia could we could be building an extra $10 billion worth of infrastructure every year for the same price. So, you know, these these are the, the things that we, we now, right now, have a great opportunity to address. It's so interesting. So I left the construction industry for a brief period uh, mostly to get off an airplane um, since I'd been flying every week for 11 years. And um, I really just wanted to know people in Denver, Colorado, frankly. <laughs> when I came back into the industry uh, seven years later, many people had known me for a very uh, high visibility position I'd had outside of the construction industry. And my, and in particular, my girlfriends were all like, construction? Like you work in construction? Like you work in construction. You've worked in construction in the past and you're going back to construction. And I'm like, yes, I love construction. And and they're like, why? Why why do you love construction? To me, we build and maintain the the assets of society. I mean, if we, you know, as I tell my friends, if you want to drive on a road or fly on an airplane out of an airport or eat in a restaurant or plug in your cell phone or turn your stove on or live in an apartment it all gets constructed and we're such an integral part of, um, of the world to hear these burning platform type statistics is, is um, quite challenging around. And, it, and Oh, by the way, this is a global problem. Um, right. The construction industry Institute, I did some work with them at the university of Texas prior to moving to Australia in 2018 actually has also created a manifesto for change in the construction industry and has named it OS 2.0, Operating System 2.0, and that we need a reset of our operating system. So, so John, why do you think now the burning platform, like we've been talking about some of these issues since I've been in the industry, really since the late 80s. Why, why now? Why do you think we're going to coalesce and actually be able to make change happen? I think it's because... Um... That 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 government. I mean, the major client for the construction industry, without a doubt, is is the government, especially for major infrastructure projects. And you've got the government needing the industry now. It it needs to construct these projects. It's a well known economic fact that for every dollar that's spent on infrastructure, there's a three dollar kick on to the wider economy. So that's why every time the economy's in trouble. Governments, generally speaking, look to start uh, building infrastructure. So 
government here, state, federal governments, um, they've all got these fairly substantial now pipelines of infrastructure projects that they need to get built so that they can get this money into the economy. And yet there's a real concern around the capability and capacity of the industry to actually deliver that pipeline of work. There's also a real desire, understandable desire, that uh, we leverage the the benefits of that spend. So we're not just looking at that $3 kick on. We're going, well, how can we leverage the social um, and economic benefits of that spend through, for example, increased local content, uh, increased engagement of indigenous and social enterprise? And then if we look a bit further down the track, you go, well, Governments are spending all this money on infrastructure and they're spending big money on infrastructure and they're spending big money on on supporting the economy full stop. So there's going to be a real shortage of funds um, in in the near to uh, medium term um, beyond this initial response. But the requirement to build infrastructure never stops. If, if, If you want the economy to remain competitive, you have to keep building infrastructure. So we're going to have to, governments are going to have to try to find ways to uh, uh, find that money to do that. And that's where the productivity piece comes back in. If we can actually be constructing things um, 10%, 15% more efficiently, we can build a whole lot more infrastructure for that same amount of money. So you've got the situation, uh, to, to, to wrap up, you've got the situation where, Government really needs industry and industry really needs government because of the sustainability issues I mentioned earlier. The Australian Constructors Association, you've put together a a document, um, kind of a call to action, so to say, around constructing the future. Um, Tell us a little bit about the three pillars of that framework that you've developed and how how you came about developing that. Yeah, sure. Um, so we've been working, ACA has been working for some time um, on an initiative called the Construction Industry Leadership Forum, which is ACA and the Victorian and New South Wales governments. And during the course of that that process, which is all about looking at how do we collaborate more? How do we do things more efficiently? Uh, and so these three pillars have really come out of a lot of those conversations. And it's really quite straightforward and simple at the end of the day. These pillars are an improved industry culture, sufficient capability, capacity and skills, and equitable and aligned commercial frameworks. And what we say is all those three pillars are interlinked. If you want to address the sustainability issue, you've got to address each of those three issues. You can't just pick one and go, well, actually, commercial frameworks, that's an easy one. We'll just do that and forget about the other two. And the best example I can give of that is that you look at the um, commercial frameworks that we've been utilizing, say, for the last 10 years, have driven a very adversarial culture within our industry. It's not the only thing that's driving that culture, but it's a fairly significant factor in it. And that adversarial culture is absolutely impacting on our ability to attract and retain the resources that we need to into the industry. Because let's be frank, um, other than crusty old commercial managers like me, who actually wants to go to work every day to have a blue about something, to have an argument about something? It's not something that people want to do. So all of these three things are interlinked, but it they are. it is at a high level, 
very simple um, to understand. So how do we make progress? I mean, I, I literally, when I left the industry, let's see, I was gone for either seven or eight years. And when I came back in, I was like, oh my gosh, we're talking about the same issues mm. that we were talking about when I left. Mm. And, um, you know, how do we make significant progress? How do we move the needle in these three pillars? That's that, that, that's a great question, Gretchen. It really is, and, and, and I'm the same as you. I, I, you know, I, these, these things keep things are not new things. They're not new problems. If I, I keep talking about a Venn diagrams and the fact that if you if you got everyone together, you got clients, contractors, consultants, and all the rest of it, and you got everyone to put down what their key problems were on a piece of paper, you'd have this you know a great big splodge in the middle of about eighty percent overlap. Same thing when it comes to solutions. I think everyone pretty much understands what the solutions are. The problem is actually how do we actually get this happening? How do we actually get some momentum here? And it it, it is a challenge, that one. It, it, it really is, um, which is why I was actually quite um, pleased to see just before uh, Christmas, back end of, uh, of last year, the UK government published what they called a construction playbook and this construction playbook is designed to set out best practice for procurement and delivery for government agencies. And, and, and they are required, I think the words are, use it or explain why you're not using it. And I think that really that's a model that we could adopt here. We have a situation where you have the federal government essentially granting money to the states through the national partnership agreements and then, and then leaving it almost entirely up to the states to deliver those projects. But the federal government, in our view, needs to take a more active interest in it because they, they as I said before, that, that there's a whole bunch of things that they're looking for in return for this, this investment. They now need to get more actively involved and start stipulating how that that investment is, is utilised uh, to coordinate the state's uh, and how they, they procure and deliver the projects in the most efficient way to drive the, that change and that improvement, uh, increase sustainability in the industry. Um, I'm just sitting here thinking about uh, back to the Construction Industry Institute that I mentioned earlier. One of the reasons in the United States we were able to make significant progress on safety was that the owners kind of banded together and said, if you don't have a certain safety record, you're not going to be able to um, bid our projects. And that really got the contractor's attention and brought safety, you know, just a huge spotlight on safety. And um, I think some of the work, and, it, and it's interesting seeing what's happening, once again, globally around this issue, because I know on the on the pillar around positive industry culture, I had the good fortune, thanks to you, John, to sit in on a committee meeting um, related to the Construction Industry Culture Task Force, CICT. I'm not sure if I got the name of that yep. right. And, you know, that this task force creating a culture standard and asking organizations in our industry to really sign on to the standard. And I just found out this week that the Associated General Contractors in the United States has developed something similar it's called the Culture of Care Pledge, and they're asking um, organizations, the 600-member contractor member organizations in the United States to sign on to this pledge about what kind of culture we want to have in our industry, a culture of well-being, a culture where we are taking care of people's mental 
well-being, not just physical well-being, and that we have an image that will actually allow us to attract the top talent. Yeah, I think that uh, culture standard is is going to be really important. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited about that, uh, not just the development of that culture standard, which will uh, identify the key elements that are necessary to to really make a step change in, in our industry culture, but then to actually utilize that in some way to to get everyone on the same page and to actually get that change happening. Well, and, and the fact that the UK has done this construction playbook, I'm I'm um, I'm ever the optimist. I I love the construction industry. There's really my father was a construction equipment dealer. He dealt Komatsu and Barbara Green and Heister, and I really I grew up in this industry, and I and I love it so much. You mentioned earlier, John, lean, and uh, my last keynote speech in the United States. Uh, I think I was speaking to the construction user roundtable, and I asked the audience. I said, "What year was the Lean Construction Institute Institute founded?" And um, in the United States, the speech would have been in 2018, just prior to moving to Australia. And it was interesting because people were like five years ago and ten years ago, and. And I threw up this slide and I'm like, no, actually it was, it was founded in 1997. We started talking about lean construction in the United States. And as somebody who came from manufacturing into construction and people said, oh, that, that stuff only works in manufacturing. We really can't have a culture of lean. Well, now lean is really taking off in the United States. Um, Dodge Analytics uh, did a, a study that showed that projects are two times more likely to hit I think it's two times more likely to hit budget and three times more likely to hit schedule if they're lean intense, as they defined um, lean intense. And they looked at hundreds of projects. What's what's it going to take for us to start to see lean being taken more seriously in the construction industry here in us in Australia? Yeah, that, that, that that's a good question. And as someone who has, has a bit business interest in in that area, it's something that I'm I'm really keen to to get to the bottom of. Um, I think in, in in short, one of the big impediments to to lean and also digital engineering. You, you look at digital engineering or, or BIM as, as it's more commonly known, and same thing that that's been around for for about twenty years now, and and, and yet the uptake on that, despite the um, the possibilities and and the demonstrate possibilities and savings that can be achieved by using it, has yet to really get a strong foothold. What what I believe the the main reason for that is is that both lean and digital engineering um, rely on open and transparent sharing of information, and yet unfortunately the commercial models that we utilise predominantly here in Australia uh, drive the opposite behaviour. People hang on to information because it could be used against them and they're, they're trying to build a claim or whatever it may be. So you don't have that open collaborative environment, which is really important for both uh, lean and digital engineering. I, you know, I've often said if I could, if I could wave my magic wand in the construction industry and create something, it would be trust. Yes. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what we continue to do to create this um, breakdown in trust amongst the stakeholders in our industry but it's it's very costly to us it it, it is it, it, exactly it is trust trust is huge and it that's something that we're going to be focused on at, at ACA I mean you can't change trust and build trust overnight for, for sure 
but there's a lot of things that we you can do. I mean, for example, we um, the publication of our ten commitments to the construction industry is is part of that rebuilding trust because one of the problems that we have, and and rightly so, is that we we've been criticised in the past for for saying that look, it's it's everyone else's problem but our own to solve. You know, governments go and fix this on our behalf. But we we've got to recognise that we're part of the problem and also part of the solution. So those ten commitments. We're all about addressing that. And I think that goes to build rebuilding trust. I mean, with the conversations that we've had now with, with other stakeholders, that's been so important coming out with those commitments where they've gone, gee, we're so glad that, you know, you're finally, there's some recognition there that it's not all down to us to solve, that, you, you know, you're part of the problem, part of the solution. And I think that's a good start, but for sure, there's a lot more that we need to do. And one of the things that that I love so much about our industry is the people in the industry. I mean, there, there is nobody, we, um, we actually, I went to my first luncheon, my first post um, COVID luncheon in December of 2020. And uh, I, I don't know how many people are in the room, maybe 150. It was an Australian pipeline and gas association luncheon, uh, holiday luncheon in Melbourne, which, you know, we've been through a massive lockdown here in Melbourne. So just seeing that many people in a room, but there's nobody I would rather go hang out with, with for the afternoon than people in our industry, engineers, constructors, um, people that are building pipelines, people that are building buildings, et cetera. We really have awesome people and I'm, I'm confident in our ability to, to make these changes happen. So, and wrapping up here, John, I'm a listener out there. I'm in the engineering construction energy space what what can I do as a leader, as a formal leader, as an informal leader? How do I make a positive impact on the industry? Well, thanks for asking that. Uh, get involved. Don't be a bystander in, in this. We've all got a role to play. As, as you say, it's an exciting industry. We've got some great people in the industry. We This isn't going to happen just with John Davis uh, jumping up and down and, and, and saying this is what we need to do. This, this needs us all to come together and work together. Um, I, I would obviously point people to um, the ACA website, constructors.com.au and our LinkedIn feed to see uh, and to get behind. We'll be publishing. You can uh, access our thought leadership there and see what we're trying to do and bring yourself up to speed and, and, and get on board, get part of the conversation We've all got our part to play here, and it's only going to happen if we, if if that happens, if if we all come together. Yeah, that's such great advice. The Australian Constructors Association. Um, you have so many great resources on your website, and um, John, I I know you're incredibly busy. Um, I feel like when I first met you, I was like, oh my gosh, a kindred soul, another change <laughs> agent in the engineering and construction space. And I'm incredibly grateful to you for joining Greatness um, today to talk about the industry. Thanks, Gretchen. Um, I, I, I really uh, value our friendship and uh, I really value this, uh, this opportunity to, to get my message out there. Great. Thank you. Take care. Interested in hearing more? Visit us at greatnessconsulting.com. Thank you.